right. I think it's a pretty friendly church, don't you think? I hope that if you're new coming in that you felt that a little bit. Um, the smiles are not fake. They're, they're, we're real people. We really do care that you're here. And not just when people wear a name badge that they, they smile, because that's kind of their job, right? Is to, when you're wearing it, you're on duty, right? But hopefully the people that you got to, that didn't have a tag, they don't have any responsibilities, like, oh, these people are real people or friendly church. Here's the thing, a little inside secret. None of these people in here are perfect people. And if you, just so you know that. So we'll talk about having been in the perfect, we've all been to the perfect church, right? Uh, it's not here. It's just not here today. But we're real people. We're glad you're here. Um, if you're new, my name is Dan. I serve as a pastor. If you're online, we're glad to have you wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching here this morning. But we're going to do, um, we've been having a wonderful, like, summer. It's been sunny. It's been blue sky up until this week, right? We've had an incredible week. Um, has it been kind of eerie for you yesterday? Do you feel like you've been in kind of like a, a Star Wars episode? You look at the red sun and the orange moon, like what planet are we from, right? But, uh, we're, but we're here this morning as we gather. We're, today is kind of a, a setup for us and really kind of I look at, we look at September on here at Northby, it's kind of a transition month where we're getting out of this summer mode of all the vacations and things we're doing, and we're trying to settle in to our fall. If you have school-aged children, you're trying to get the rhythm back of waking them up in the morning and getting them up to school and getting on the bus, and there's this, that routine of things. Maybe you're back to work on your schedule, and so, so at church life, it kind of, it settles in a little bit, and we're going to give an opportunity to, for you to join in on something that we a big deal about that we'll be talking about here in a moment but we're also kind of gearing up here for in the next couple of weeks uh, for a fall series that we're going to be going through the book of Genesis and we're basically going back to the beginning and sometimes you just need to go back to the beginning you need to start afresh and start anew and that's what we'll be doing looking forward to that I have a really good friend next week who'll be sharing it's just going to be it's going to set us up for something really good so if you're new with us here you're like should I get involved? This is a great time to get involved as we kind of jump into this next season together. I'm excited, as, as Jake shared tonight, for students getting back. And weekly, if you have a teenager, United is the place on Sunday night, 638. Not just playing crazy games and doing different things. This city shared, like, man, they're going to get serious about God's word this, this year. And they're, going to, they're really going to build a community of students that desperately need that, don't they? Our students desperately need Jesus and being in community together. Um, so today we're going to talk about the theme of better together. And, there, and all of us deep down, doesn't matter if your, your personality, what it is, I, I believe this, and I, I think maybe if we could test it, is that most of us really, really desire to belong. There's a something within us intrinsically that we matter to other people, that there's a, there's a connection that we have together that we weren't born to be soul living on this planet. There, there's purpose of, of community that we'll be really unpacking here and talking about emphasis today. And I think we learn, we learn community when we don't, the need of it when we don't have it. And when we've maybe experienced times of, of rejection. And, and unfortunately, it's when we were little that some of those memories that still trigger us throughout our, our childhood. And, and so I have a few of those maybe you know, traumatic experiences I've had. I, I remember this sense of loneliness and isolation that happened as a, as a young kid. I was in a, uh, a summer day camp, and my, my mom would take me. My, actually, my cousin also was attending this at the time. And I was in, I think my, I was trying to figure out my grade. It was, it was between kindergarten and first grade. So I was six years old. 
and went to this day camp throughout the summer. And the last day of the day camp, they were going to do this big carnival on the other side of town. And we, we met at Birchwood Elementary in Bellingham and at Fairhaven Park, I remember. That's where they're going to have the kids' carnival. You'd throw the darts and the balloons and all the games that are there. And we're all looking forward to it. And at lunchtime, though, my cousin and I, we had our little sack lunch, and we decided to, f- I don't know why, but we decided to fill little sandwich bags, empty sandwich with dirt, and throw them against the wall of the school, okay? Somewhat harmless, right, to do that, but that was the fun. Okay, we, what, there should have been a ball or something else to play with, but that's what we had. You made fun, did fun as a kid, and so we're doing this, and there, as soon as I threw one against the wall, one of the leaders came around and yelled at me and said, you cannot do this, you're messing up the school walls, and you, so you're not going to be able to go to the carnival today. You're not going to be able to go. I'm like, wow, okay. And, and, I, and, and so then, you know, a couple hours later, the, the bus pulled up, and we're all lining up to get on the bus. And as I'm getting on the bus, she's up the top. She goes, I told you, you can't come to the, the carnival today. Okay, and so I got off the bus, and then the, the bus door shut. There's my cousin waving in the window, and the bus pulled away. And at six years old, I'm by myself at the school. There's no one left. They left me. And I thought, oh, maybe the bus, it's a lesson. Maybe they'll swing around and pick me up, you know, and that several minutes go by. Some tears are forming a little bit and, and, and realizing that I'm here and there's, there's no phones, there's no nothing, there's, you know, and, and so I decided to start walking. And I, and I had wherewithal at that age to kind of know where my mom worked. So I walked probably about two and a half miles to where my mom worked, okay? So imagine a little, little guy, six years old, and, uh, and I walked, and, and then I walked in where my mom worked, and she was just startled to see me. I, I've seen my mom get angry a little bit at times. Honestly, she, but she, even when I've done stuff, she's been not that, but I, there was something within my mother that I saw that you, <laughs> she was like, we're going, and she put me in the car, and we went over to that Fairhaven Park, and I, my mom laid into this woman. It's that lady right there that did that to me, and she's like, let me go find her. And, and that was a moment for me looking back, looking back where I have been left out. I felt isolated. I felt alone, and uh, you know, it does a number on you, right? When you're, you know, six years old or whatever, because some of you, some of you look back and go, Dan, that's, I'm, that's terrible that happened to you, but some of you have said you've experienced you experienced being left behind in a lot of different ways. Have you ever been left behind? Because it's not necessarily a day camp, but, but you've been left behind by a parent that has walked out of your family. You've been left behind at times when you were in, in adolescence and you were with a group of friends and, and they rejected you. It might have been a relationship, a dating relationship. It might have been a job that you were fired from, right? The list builds. You you. You might have been in a marriage that, that fell apart and that person left, left the marriage. Some of you, we've experienced a lot of rejection in our life that happened because what's happening is we, we long, there's abandonment issues that we all can have. When we fell left out, when you see someone and there's a big party happening on, you saw it online and you didn't get to go to it, guess what? You feel it, don't you? That feeling of, of abandonment. There's a longing to belong. And when that need is not met at a deep level, it brings a level of loneliness. And there's a difference between some of you live alone 
and, and being lonely. There is a big difference. So loneliness is defined this way, the painful awareness that we lack meaningful contact with others, right? You can have a lot of associations. You can belong to a lot of clubs. You can be signed up for a lot of Facebook groups, but are, is there any meaningful relationship, depth of relationship in your life? You can have a thousand contacts, but no friends, at least deep level friends that really do want to get to know you. They, there's, you know, one, about one in four people actually feel lonely at times. One in ten of people feel really lone at a level like they don't want to live any longer. One out of ten of us. That's a serious thing. And COVID has done a number on us in such a way that social isolation, it's been painful and difficult in so many different ways. And because of that, we've been plagued. I mean, we see it over and over in the news of shootings in schools and malls and in and, and this community in, in Saskatchewan and what happened to them and the stabbings and then Memphis this week. And we see a continually this 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 issue when there's not meaningful relationship there's inhumanity that takes place there's this disconnection in such a way that people don't live well very very human at, at all that's why god said at the beginning of creation he created everything he created man he said it was very good and then when man was by himself he says it's not good it's not good for man to be alone right Every woman in this room knows it is not good for a man to be alone, right? And it's we, as men, we know that as well. But in our human, in our human being, it's, it's not good. It leads us down to dark, dark roads in our life. We were created for community. We are fashioned for fellowship. We are formed for a family. God has purposed us not to do life solo. Now, one of the things we, that we do and. In, in Christian life and evangelical life that we talk about for is this, is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We all know that. If you've been around church, you've heard that before. It's personal, but doesn't mean it's supposed to be private. A lot of times people will say, well, I just have my, my faith is private to me. It never is meant to be that way. It is supposed to be shared in community. That's where faith grows and thrives the best. We're called to belong, not just believe. So when, we, when you come into this church, we really hope in this old building you get the message that we're not perfect at all, and that you, your life is not perfect, and that, we, that this is a place that you can belong, and even though we don't agree on belief. And that shocks some people, because you can actually come into this place and be a part of our church community here, and actually believe differently than, than maybe we do. We can actually have a disagreement about that, but you, we hope that you still have a place, a safe place, to work out what you're working out and what you believe. We want to encourage you towards Scripture. We want to encourage you toward a per personal relationship with Christ, but no one wants something forced upon it because you know that doesn't work. And let alone just believing a certain thing, but to behave a certain way. We've all been in environments that we're trying to behave and act a certain way, and we can't live up to it, and, and so therefore we, we don't feel qualified to be a part of it any longer. That is so backwards, the way Jesus worked. Jesus invited his, his disciples, come with me, follow me, and in that transformation took place. Believe me, Peter and the rest of the, the, the disciples, they had no clue of theology whatsoever, right? 
They didn't know the ways of Jesus until they walked the ways of Jesus. And Jesus then did the transformation from inside out. And that's why at Christ the King, this has been our, our mission statement. If you're wondering what we really hold to is this. We are about to create an authentic Christ-centered community communities that love God wholeheartedly and reach out intentionally so that others experience new life in Jesus and a transforming life of discipleship. That's a mouthful, but it means a lot to us, especially when it says authentic Christ-centered communities. Authentic, being real, starting there is such an important place that when we come together, it's this, not here. Here is great. A place is great to gather. But just the place is not the church. The people are the church. We are the church. Jesus laid that out with his disciples to go and make disciples. He said to go do this work is to not just to come to a place, but create a people that are going to be a part of me and who I am. Church is great when it's packed. And I love seeing so many faces here and, and people connecting with us. But it's it, it means nothing the, when the building is empty. It's just an old building that we're here. But what does that look like? What does that authentic community look like? What I, what I love about the Bible is the descriptions of what the church is. So much we could read through the New Testament. But at its starting point, it's so beautiful of a description where Jesus, you know, was ascended to heaven. And then he says, wait, told a group of believers, about 120 of them, to gather in an upper room. And they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes, and this power and this transformation takes place in this community. And, and this church went from 120 to 3,000 people, and it began to spread. And then at the end of all that was going on, there's this description about the church. And I want you to listen to this description and, and just get a vision for it again. If you've heard us maybe a hundred times, it's okay. Get a fresh vision of what church really is and the people that are gathered to be a part of it. This is what it says in the end of Acts 2. It says they, this is what it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling the possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Can you picture that? Can you get a feel of that? Can you get emotion behind that? Like, oh, that is so good. That is so much of the heart of what God wants for us to find that community. Homegrown, organic, plant-based, authentic, Jesus-centered community. That the purest form. It's such an ideal. Now, you read that, you're going, okay, so you're saying that what about all the other things, all the organizations? Well, you can read all through the New Testament 
where like every great body like yourself, the, the body you have has a, has a skeleton, okay? Because if you didn't have a skeleton, we'd all be this tall, okay? Spread out, amoeba, okay? We'd be all, we, our body has structure. We all need structure for our life. But if the structure outweighs the organism of it, the, the, the part of who we are, the life of it, it's just, it's just dead religion. It's just a dead structure. But, but Paul, throughout all the New Testament, talks about, here's this ideal. Here's some things where you haven't been ideal. Let me help you, encourage you. And this whole New Testament church is shaped. Because you read through all of it, you're going, that doesn't sound like Acts 2, 43 to 47 at all. There is some weird stuff that happens, right? Because people can get weird. And so Paul's given instruction. But here's this ideal that we go back to and then we look like what the church can be about. And I, I hope that if you and I, when we read that, going, wow, this is where lonely people can find help and find friendship. This is where needs can be met. This is where people who struggle and need encouragement can find that. This is where people get instruction and direction for their life. Where people that are not just physically in need, but emotionally struggling can find friendship and encouragement in their life. This is what this is. And if that really is, if that's a community that God wants to have, why would people not want to be a part of that? That can happen. And that can look that way. And 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 I, I, I think it's so amazing that we're able to gather the way we gather and, and find, find unity when we gather together. You know, today we, Mark's, as, as Jake shared, uh, September 11th, right? 20, are we 21 years now since 9-11 uh, happened? And um, those of us that, you know, what are, you know, you know, 40 years and older, probably we can kind of remember a lot of that day and remember maybe where we were and all that that took place in our world. You think of the, the lives that were lost. It was close to 3,000 that day with, based on the towers going down and the Pentagon and, the, and, and Pennsylvania airplane going down. And, and we look at the crisis and how horrible it was. And yet, it was a time of unity like never before in America. You know, they, they rated that time when that happened. There was nothing compared to that since Pearl Harbor that happened, of the unity that the United States and, and the country had together. Do you know during that month, there was a 90% approval rating of our president? <laughs> You're like, oh, hard to, hard to compare. You know, we, uh, the, the queen, it's hard, you know, all these years, 73 years of reign, Queen Elizabeth passed this week, and this is the quote that, that she said to New York City on that day, September 11, 2001. She said, nothing can be said and can begin to take away the anguish and the pain of these moments. And then she says this, grief is the price we pay for love. And it's true. When we love and we care for each other, there's going to be a loss. But in that loss, you know what did? It brought our country together. Crisis brings people together Sometimes. Because we look back in the last crisis we went through, and it was the opposite, wasn't it? That we, live, we lived in a very divided country. And guess what? We have survived living in a divided church of America. And we are getting over, and hopefully we're mourning past what division does and what it gets to the heart of the core. That some way, somehow, people put their political ideology over their faith in the mission of Jesus. Every time we do that, there's division. So I would say this, is that 
as we move forward and we've had healing and we're moving forward, but let's not miss whatever the next crisis is, whatever the next challenge will be, whether it's globally in our, in our world or personally in our life, let's not miss the opportunity for unity to come together. And, and this is what I would say today. This has come today's truth is together can be better. Together can be better. And I put that in there that can be because I believe it can. We've seen it before and we'll see it again. However, together is a choice that we have to make. Where we set aside our preferences and what we want to what Jesus wants in the middle of the good times and the bad times. Several years ago, the, the together, you know, better together theme, we've had it throughout the years. You've been a part of North Bay. Several years ago, I, we gave out on a Sunday like this as a small group uh, as, a, as a small groups, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, uh, of emphasis of getting, coming together in community, we gave out these little better together. Some of you might still have your little better together tags. Well, we had several of these left over, and I shoved them in the drawer in my office. And over time, I've done several weddings, and I, I give these out at weddings now of the ones, and this is the last one I had. I just gave one out, and this is the last one. I'm thinking I'm going to give it to my son and our, our future daughter-in-law at their wedding coming up uh, this year. Um, and so this is it, and so it says better together, and why is there a cord, or why is this a, a rope? There's a scripture in Proverbs that says three cords are not easily broken. And so I talk about in weddings, the, 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 the husband and the wife and Jesus are woven together. I said, your lives are like this, but it's not just like this, it's together with Jesus. And if we're woven together with Jesus, there's nothing that can break us. There's nothing that can pull us apart because we're strong as our commitment and our bond to one another. And I still believe this. I still believe this, that, that better, is, better is together. And whatever we're going through, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in everything you're going through, unity is so, so powerful. But here's the thing in unity, it's not perfect. Now, one of the things I've noticed lately is, and I caught myself even yesterday saying it to somebody, where they gave me change, and I got it back, and I said, I, and I thank you for it, and I said, perfect. Have you, you used that lately? I've, I went to, I went to the, the coffee shop the other day, and I noticed that, that I ordered, you know, I usually order, uh, you know, Americano with, uh, you know, sugar-free caramel and some cream, and one stevie is my order drink, okay? And the, and the gal, that she says, she, the barista says, perfect. I'm like, wow, I've got a, I, I have a perfect order. I just... <laughs> I said, perfect, right? And so I'm waiting for my drink, and the next person comes in, and, and, and they order their drink, and, and she says to the lady after she orders, perfect. I'm like, wait a second. My drink and your, we're two in a row. Two, I bet the next one, perfect. We overuse perfect a little bit. And it's okay, don't be, you'll catch yourself those weak little people. Perfect. You know? But here's the thing, life is not perfect. Relationships are not perfect. And we customize things in such a way, and, and we find ourselves out, well, as I said, we're, we're kind of messed up people, really, when we get to know each other. And I think one of the great myths in relational life, especially in community, is that we think in community, joining together an authentic Christian community or Christ-centered community, that there's, there's something perfect about it. Like it's this Prince Charming finding Cinderella kind of thing. 
So I think this is something we have to keep around is that, you know, trying to find the right person or join the right group or get the right job or, or be involved in the right church. It's like this over the rainbow kind of thinking. It's over there is where the ideal will be. If I go there, if I get involved in this, this is going to be the answer to everything. And what you find is it's, you can have, go from relationship to relationship, to city to city, to neighborhood to neighborhood, to job to job, marriage to marriage, church to church. You're looking for community. You're trying to find the right community, the, the right people in the right place, and you're going to get disappointed because community is not out somewhere else. And there is a, there's a lie that's there. There's this lie. If I marry the right person, if I have the right job, and if I have the right neighborhood, if I have, and we get disappointed after disappointed after disappointed. So I can't stress enough how, how it sounds so unrealistic and unbiblical to find the right community. Community is not something you find. Community is something you build. It's something you have to work for. Community, what, what happens is we, we long for it, but so we, we, we want the right mate, we want the right job, we want the right neighborhood. And so making your marriage, making your workplace, making your neighborhood, making your church, all this it's going to like you're going to find it you're going to discover it. it's going to be it's going to be like gold at the end of the rainbow is such a fallacy and yet we get caught up in this ideal over and over community is not something discovered it's something created and something forged now i don't mean to suggest that you should be in toxic relationships and you just you're you just get walked over in a doormat and you get abused and, and you know all no no i'm not saying that at all you need if you're in a you're in a toxic abusive situation whether it's a job or whether it's a marriage or whatever you need help okay get help i'm not saying being that but also recognize when the ideals are not met it's easy for us to run. It's easy for us to bolt. It's easy for us just to go somewhere else, some other slick advertisement, and think, I've got the answers for you. And it's never, ever going to happen because you are part of the problem. Because you are not perfect. And I am not perfect. But when we come together and say, God, you have, you have a plan. And it's this working together in community that, that matters. And so I love what Hebrews says about this, about relationship. It says this. So, so what do you do with that? What do, how do we work at it? He says, don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Run for it. Work at getting along with each other. Work at getting along with each other. Okay? Did we not learn that in kindergarten? Okay? You two need to get along, right? We're not, mom and dad can't sort it out. Teacher can't, you have to work it out. We all have learned that. And what I love about this ideal, this beautiful scripture that is Acts 2, 47, it almost sounds like a Cinderella story. It almost sounds too good to be true. This is, you know, Wizard of Oz kind of euphoric experience, this, this utopia. But there's something practical here there's something that we can work towards and experience that it's going to take work in community. So here's some expressions of what authentic community looks like. First, in Acts 2.42, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teacher. What this looks like in expression is this. They centered around Scripture. So when the, when the people came together in community, they, they didn't sit around and just share their feelings. Nothing wrong with sharing your feelings. But, but us guys... We can only share our feelings so much, right? 
we share your feelings. And guys, in being in groups sometimes, you know what it's like. You actually do better on the golf course or doing hunting or something else by walking or being with somebody by your side than staring to a person face to face. But community is so important. So, so it's not just sharing your feelings. It's not just coming together uh, They, you know, for like bunko night, okay? I love bunko, okay? There's a certain place where we come together in, com- in community for centering around God's word. Be devoted. It means being steadfast, single-minded toward the word of God. And I, I think about this, and I think about how that was so important early on in the church. I love what it says in Acts 17, where that early church, it says the Bereans, these are a group of people, they're more noble in character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness, examining the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Which cracks me up. When we read the Bible and we read the Apostle Paul, we don't really question it. But Paul wasn't this big Paul dude back then. He was just Paul, and he was new to the game, and they were new to the game, and are like, is Paul, what is he really saying here? Does that really hold? Does this line up to what other things in the Bible say? We're not just going to take Paul's word for what he's preaching. I mean, heck, he, was, he preached so long, a person fell asleep and fell out of a window and died. I mean, this guy, we're not sure about him, right? I mean, Paul had a reputation in many different things. He wasn't the esteemed apostle Paul that we look to now. So they were like, we want to know what Paul's saying. Does this line up what Jesus said? And this line up to what maybe like the Old Testament says? I mean, this was going on. And we need to do the same thing. When you're gathering here and you're taking notes and you're listening to the pastor preach, you're like, okay, I'm just going to believe everything he says. Don't do it. Don't believe everything I say. Like 100%, right? Because I'm interpreting it through my feeble mind and my own personality experience and I pray and I hope and I deliver something to you that you can take but you got to go like I think we need to talk about this a little bit in fact if you come to me afterwards I don't know about this we you know what I love about that is actually you're interacting with it you're actually wrestling with it a little bit but it's centered on God's word God's word in its pure form and reading it is perfect but how we live it out is in different ways and different, exam- different, different preferences and different experiences. Another expression that you can think about what they did is they, they centered in Scripture, but also this fresh bread filled hearts. The fresh bread they gave filled hearts. There's nothing better than fresh bread, right? Nothing better than, than having something fresh in there. And this, this is what it says in verse 46. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So what, what they're doing is they were... They're spending time in, in fellowship, which, of course, we say food, and there's something beautiful about sharing a meal together around a table. There's something about when we break bread, when we share a meal or do potluck or whatever it is, I mean, there is something about really getting to know each other and spending time. The, the guard comes down when, when we do that. And, and so as leaders, you know, as, as leaders, we... As small group leaders, we encourage having fellowship this way and eating together and spending time together because it, it opens up opportunities of sharing, of, of talking about life. There's just something about it when we do that. The other thing is this, is that they, they made the priority prayer. Prayer was so important. Uh, you know, Paul says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, requests, with this in mind. Be alert, always keeping on praying for all the saints. Prayer in groups and gathering together separates us out from just any old social group that we're in. Listen, nothing wrong with getting together with people in your community. 
But if you're, if, if you're with Christ-centered people and you go to prayer, that's where the supernatural power is. And the groups that we have, just even recently, we've seen eyes healed, and we've seen rings found, and we've seen all kinds of things that we prayed, the little things and the big things that God is answering in the prayer and community. It's so important we make prayer so much a part of the community they have. You know, when Jesus says two or three are gathered in his name, he's with us. Because in prayer, we're inviting Jesus, his presence with us. It's a powerful, supernatural thing. So what does authentic community happen? What happens? Here's the outcome when we do this. What I love about this is the Holy Spirit's present. The Holy Spirit's present. In verse 23, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by apostles. Did you feel the Spirit of God this morning? I did. I didn't. If you didn't, don't, like, oh, I don't, not, you know, I'm not, guess I'm not spiritual enough. You, you might have came in here and going, man, I just wasn't in the space today. That's okay. We've all had days like that. But I really sense the Lord, we were singing, you know, ran out of the grave. I really feel like some of us are coming out of darkness. We're coming out of a past and re- moving ahead toward the future. Like today might be your day that the past of the past, you, you start a new day. The glorious days that God has for you and I in the church. When we, when we think that way, there's an honest that we come together in worship. I love worshiping God, you know, my car and different places on my own, but there's something special when we come together like this. The other thing is this, in this awe moments that we share together, there's commonality. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now that's a broad statement that we all have something common, but what do we have in common as followers of Jesus? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus we do. That's what brings us together. From older to younger, from different places and different backgrounds and different experiences and different even nationalities and, and cultures, we come together around Jesus. So you can worship Jesus. You could be in a, a fellowship of people in Mexico and Saudi Arabia and China. And I've been in, in places in Europe and in, in South America. And you're going, man, I sense the same thing. It's the Spirit of God together as believers, that unity. But commonality is this. Is it, lends, it led to this, that needs were met. That needs were met. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. One of the things of why some organizations are started and created in our world is because there was times when the church did not step up to to meet the needs of their own people in the community. And I think it's great that we partner in our community with many different organizations because we found that that's the collective work we do as a church. That we don't have to do a food program, we don't have to start a clothing bank, that we don't have to do all these other social agencies, but we are part of the church that does it together. We don't have to put our brand on it, but we're partnering together in all these different ways we could serve, but that's where the body of Christ comes together and needs are bound. I would love what the family promised. Last w- couple of weeks ago, Leanne got up, Allinger shared about how we can help those in need, some families are struggling, and we needed to help with four families to receive meals, and I, at the end of the service, as I was walking out, she told me we got all four right away, because you, us, the body of Christ, stepped up and met the need right away. That is a beautiful thing. So when you're in a group together and needs are being met, there, there's simple needs, like I need help moving, or this happens, and you're, there's community that, that works together. M- life was meant to be together. Better is together. And then finally is this, new people are reached. New people are reached. Praising God, enjoying the favor of the people, and I love this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Talk about that, the movement of God. How I mean, people come to Jesus every day. That was happening in the church. 
but was happening not when people were just gathering in a place. People were being led to Christ through the relationships and the connections. You, if you're part of the, if you're follower of Jesus, you are the church, and little churches go to different places. And so when you go to work tomorrow, the church goes to work, to your workplace. When you go to school, that's where the church is. The church, well, there's separating church and state. No. You, you can't separate yourself of what Jesus done in you. You know, no, we, we do it with gentleness and respect and love, when, but we, we're the church. And the church is the one that loves and it cares and reaches out for the people. And then sometimes God gives an opportunity to actually vocalize our faith. And then we get that opportunity to share. We are the church. And what happens, that is where it becomes contagious. Now I want to challenge us here with this. We were not meant for just ourselves. When we talk about community, it's not just circling in and us four and no more, okay? So you, you, we're challenged a little bit. We're challenged to say we really like our, our little comfort group that we have. We don't want to mess up the little group. And I want to challenge you. There's, there's some people on the outside, okay? There's some people that are looking to get in, and it's been difficult I don't know why it's been. It's been difficult for some people on the fringes to get in. How about we make it easier? How about we look outwardly who is left? And when you look in your circle of people, if it's around your living room or it's around your dining room table, is there an extra chair or two that you could slip in there so a few other people can join in and experience what you're doing? Because that's what it means to make disciples is inviting people in. And so I want to challenge you this week is this. Move from rows to circles. This fall, I'm challenging everybody. And the rows that we're in is now to move to a circle. And we want to help you find that circle. So you might be have a circle already and you're a part of, but also there's a, there's a circle that wants to invite you in. And Jake's going to come and share about this. Um, Jake serves, he has a dual role with us as next gen, as, as our student ministry director, but also our small group director. And the role goes whether next gen is not just next gen and age level, but next generation people being disciples and finding community. So you're going to share a little bit how we're going to do that. Yes. Yeah. So you may have noticed one of these sitting on your seat when you came in. Um, basically, what we would like you to do is fill this out. Um, if you're in a small group already uh, and you want to kind of like recommit to this next season, we ask you to fill it out as well. You can just write in like what small group you're a part of. Um, but we kind of like the opportunity that you can like step back in and be like, yes, I'm recommitting to this next season. Um, but basically what we want to do is myself and the revival, or the, sorry, the small group coaches want to um, work together to reach out to you. So we'll use these to collect your information to get you plugged into a place that is um, the small group that you're looking for, whether it's men's, women's, general, family, young adult, whatever that is. Um, we just want to work together to get you plugged into a place that you feel comfortable um, and that you fit in and, and, and you can create family. So, That's good. And one more thing, too, is we're, we're needing more group leaders, yes. right? Hosting, is that is yes. that a need as well? Yes, thank you. Yeah. So we have a lot of groups um, currently. I think there's about nine, and there's two more starting. But a lot of them are pretty full for what the homes uh, can hold. Um, so there's not a lot of space. So if you feel like you would like to host a small group in your home, you can write this in. If you want to lead a small group, you can write it in. Um, but let us know like what you feel led to do, like what your capacity of serving is, um, because we need more space. Um, so, yeah. That's great. 
Awesome. Um, so go ahead and uh, connect with Jake afterwards, but also you can just turn those in the box. You can fill those out before you leave today. Thank you, Jake, yep. for that. And there will, there will be follow-up on that. That's, that's his job and his team. I'm really glad he's on board with that. Uh, these two areas that he's serving, I had to oversee this last year. So now we can actually put some more details and some follow-up with that. So this is a risk for some of you. Like, I've been in church for a while, small groups. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Do this. Sincerely pray. And, it, and if you're ready, going, I'm already a group, turn that in. Or I want to be a group, you can fill it out before you leave today. But I also say this as we go to prayer. Take it with you and pray over it. And if, if you're in a place, you're going, I, I'm not sure yet. You can bring it back next week. But that's going to be our hope and desire in this season as we go into being community together. And if, if, if you have a better way of finding community than a small group, talk to us about that. If you've got other ideas, but there's something powerful when we move from the rows to a circle, you see other eyes and other people that you begin to share and you're going, oh my gosh, I got this going on in my life. And, and then someone goes, me too. And you go, oh my gosh, I'm not a weirdo. I, I, I relate with what you're going through, and there's a bond and there's connection. And I tell you, that's the purity of authentic Christ-centered community more than ever, that you need it, I need it, but there's a step to take, and, the pr and I want to pray for us to do that. Will you bow as you go to prayer here, and our team is going to come. As, as we pray, I want to make sure you hear this. This is not an infomercial. This is just an invitation something that's beautiful and something amazing. And there's many people in this room know what it's like to be in a small group. And they've learned how, they have learned how amazing it is. They've learned that the camaraderie, the, the connection, the, the prayer, the encouragement. But also they recognize that they've been in groups before that didn't go well. They've been in groups before that someone was upset or someone left. Uh, some of us have been in groups where they just lasted for a while and they, they fell apart. They moved on a new season. So recognizing when we're going in and, and asking the Lord to guide us into this, it's not perfect. And if you're here today and you're looking for the perfect thing, it just doesn't exist. It's you saying, Lord, guide me. Show me to the group of people, a small group of people, that I can look in a circle, around a living room, around a table, that I can find community, that I can, that I can find a place where I can start belonging. I think there's people right now that had some abandonment issues like I have, that the bus pulled away. Can I tell you, there is a seat on the bus for you today. There's a place for you today. We want to help you find that. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some patience. But there's a step that you can take. It's a step of faith. So I want, to, I want to lead us in prayer for this season. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for, as we kind of transition from kind of one season to next, it's just kind of setting us up to what you have next. And, and Lord, as a church body, we've sensed this time of year is a very important time of year where we're kind of settling back into routine and, and, and put aside excuses to say, Lord, I, I need people in my life. 
I, I can no longer just kind of be in a crowd and rows of a church. Lord, there's a time again to circle again, to circle the wagons, to get in a group, to get in a place where, Lord, you want me to be a part of. Lord, I, I, I pray that you guide each person in this room here today. I pray you guide the people that will be hearing about this in the next few weeks of where they fit. Lord, it's not a matter of if they fit, Lord. It's where they fit in the fittingness of the people and the circle of people around them. So give us courage today. Give us, a, give us hope today. Give us, give us a desire and to believe that, yes, together can be better, Lord. And I pray that over everyone here today. And I, I pray for those especially that have come in and they're just, they're kind of feeling lost in the shuffle a little bit. They, 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 the, the, the first step of community is you, Jesus. To have, be a part of our Christ-centered community is Christ needs to be the center of their community, their own heart, Lord. So I pray that they would find you today. Jesus, may they reach out, that you be their Lord and Savior and the center of their soul, Lord. So in that, Lord, they, they can find that they're not just personal faith in you, but they can be public in connection with others and find true community. Where it's not easy, it's difficult, but it's so rewarding when we take that next step. Lead us and guide us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we wrap up here this morning. And so with the card, maybe during the, the song here, like, yep, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to do it. Um, drop it off in the back, either being a group, hosting a group. And here's the thing. When you sign it, it's an interest it's not, it, it's a conversation. It, there'll be someone following up with you on it, especially if you're hosting a lean. You're like, I don't know what this means. It's okay. We're gentle people. We'll guide you through it, what that can look like. We've got some great training and some basics of how to do it. It's not hard, but it takes some intentional steps. So let us know how we do that. If you need any prayer, we're here. Our, our prayer team's available during this song and afterwards. So let's step into community North Bay. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week. God